0: Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to church today. Uh, I, I figured I would start out our, our time together this morning by asking a, uh, a very uh, Christmas, holiday season question. And this is a question I know I've asked before. But are there any Star Wars fans in the house? Okay, a few of you. Some of you like don't want to let everybody know you're a Star Wars fan. Some of you are a little bit more proud of it. Um, when I was growing up, I had a brother, an, an older brother, who loved Star Wars. And he would sit down, and he, uh, we would watch. And at this point, the, there's only three of them out. And so we are watching the original three, and he's teaching me everything he knows about Star Wars. And somewhere in the mid-'90s, the uh, special edition movies come out, and I am hooked. And when I, went, when I decided to be a Star Wars fan... I went all in. I mean, I had posters, I had action figures, I had books. Uh, I slowly released this information to my wife over a course of time because I didn't want her to look at me weird. But I I know weird, I know random weird things that most of, like most of the average fans don't know. Uh, You know, some of you may be very familiar with this thing in the movie called an X-Wing fighter. But did you also know that there's a B-Wing and an A-Wing fighter as well? Did you know that there's an AT-AT walker but also an AT-ST walker? Did you know that the weird-looking guy that sits next to Lando Calrissian who's flying in the Millennium Falcon that destroys the second Death Star uh, as they rush out before it explodes, his name is Neenah? Alright, so these are the weird random facts that I know that my wife still is learning slowly about me. But Star Wars taught me something else. They taught, it, it taught me the importance of music in a movie. All right, and, and this morning I'm I'm going to I'm going to show you an example of this that kind of plays into uh, our theme for this Christmas this Christmas season. So I want to show you uh, uh, the this clip from the end of the very first uh, star very first released Star Wars film, Episode Four: New Hope, and this is the throne room scene at the very end as it appeared in the movie. All right. So that scene is a pretty cool scene, okay? You got them coming in. For those of you who have no clue, have never seen Star Wars before, they've just blown up the first Death Star, okay? And so they're getting medals for what they've done. It's a big moment, okay? But now watch this scene without John Williams, okay? Without the, uh, the, the music and the, the, the composer behind it. Feels a little bit different, doesn't it? It's not the same. Music does something to us. It, 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 it reaches down. It's, it, it's like salt. It's like what salt does to food, if you kind of think of it that way. Salt brings out the flavors that are in food. Uh, when you put it on it and you, 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 you eat something, it, it tastes different when you put salt on it because salt really does bring out the flavor. Music does that to us. It's, it, it's why we worship with music because music kind of digs deep down, and it pulls out. We have feelings, and we have these emotions that are there. Um, you know, the, the actors that were in that scene filmed that without music, okay? So it, it's, it's possible what, the, the, what they're experiencing in that moment is there, but music does something. It reaches down, and it pulls out those feelings and those emotions, and it brings it to the forefront, and that's why we use music when we worship. That's why we listen to music uh, when we drive our car. That's why we, you think about all of the holidays that we celebrate, why is Christmas one of the ones that we that we get so just emotionally ready for? It's because of the music. There's not another holiday that has music like Christmas does, and so this music uh, it, it it brings things, uh, feelings, emotions, thoughts out of us that we don't we don't uh, we don't feel unless that that music is there, and so during this Christmas season we've been we've been considering songs that are in Scripture about Christmas. And they do the same thing. They add an element to the Christmas story that's, that, we, that we know about, we think about maybe, but it's, it stays in the subconscious. We, we're, we're focused on the nativity scene and we're focused on the, the, the idea of Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem and, and having no room for them in the inn and, and giving birth to Jesus in a manger and the shepherds coming to visit and the wise men coming to visit. And, and that's kind of what we think about when we think about Christmas. But these songs that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, they have been adding or, or pulling out these themes that are behind the Christmas story that add so much to our experience of it. Week one, we, talked, uh, we, we looked at Psalm 89. It was a psalmist song. Uh, we found out that Christmas is a reminder to you that God is going to be faithful in His promises. Christmas is a story about God's faithfulness. The Christmas story didn't just start in Matthew, Mark. Luke and John, it started so much earlier than that. It started at the very beginning of Scripture. It started in Genesis 3 when man fell. And so God it made promises to people, and God came through, and God is faithful. Week 2, we looked at Mary's song. Mary's song, we found a, a teenage girl who was, who was unwed, who was found to be a child. We found out through her song that Christmas is the beginning of the world being turned right side up. God is about bringing uh, his kingdom into the world and his kingdom looks so much different than ours. And it started it started with an angel's call to Mary. And 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 so God is bringing this upside down kingdom into the world. And then last week, Pastor Chip shared with us Zachariah's song. And in Zachariah's song, we found out that Christmas means to stir within us unrestrained joy. All right. Who went home and watched the movie That Thing You Do last week after Chip showed it? All right. No, I think somebody did. I just don't think they wanted to raise their hand that that the that that image of those those teenagers running into that store is exactly is exactly the type of joy. But the thing is, we don't need to confuse joy with with the the cheap knockoff, which is momentary happiness. Right. That's what that's what we tend to do. That's what the holidays tend to bring out from us, this momentary sense of, oh, yeah, this is great for now. And then it kind of just. Fades away, joy, joy, and unrestrained joy. It's something that carries on. It goes. It's there in the good times. It's there in the bad times. It's there in the in the the mundane times. And Zachariah's song brings that out of us. And then today we're going to look at another song. We're going to look at uh, a song that's well known. It's the shortest song uh, that we're going to look at, Um, but it's the angel song. And this is found in Luke chapter two. We're going to start in verse eight and go through twenty. But this song has elements in it that help us to really think about the Christmas story in a different way and really to get uh, some some uh, theological meaning from the Christmas story. So today I'm going to start, uh, we're going we're to start in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now this is picking up just after Luke's... Um, uh, Luke's uh, telling us that, that Jesus has been born. And so nearby, nearby in Bethlehem, out in the fields, there's shepherds watching their flocks. And in this, in this part, uh, we, we meet the audience, we meet the intended hearers of our song today. And that is the shepherds. Now the shepherds, This is you can get into a lot of with the shepherds, and I, I'm going to keep this brief because that's not the point of, of what we're doing, but we've got to know a little bit, we've got to be reminded a little bit about who the shepherds are this morning. And this morning we, we, uh, we want to focus on the fact that the shepherds, shepherding was once a very honorable profession. And when you look back at the heroes of the Old Testament, a lot of them were shepherds at one point in time. Abraham was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, King David was, was a shepherd, and for the longest time, being a shepherd meant that you had uh, you had value because you had uh, you had cattle, you had livestock, you were um, you were protecting something that gave you something, and, and so it was a big deal. Fast forward to uh, the first century, not so much of a big deal anymore. People are not uh, excited about shepherds. People are not um, people are not. Um, Teaching their children to be, grow up and become shepherds. Society has changed. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, what 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 used to be the, the the currency of the day having having cattle, having food, having um, having a, a larger family, having all these things that would bring value in your life. Those are no longer necessarily the focus. Now the focus is on money, and the focus is on. Um, land, and the focus is on a lot of other things that shepherds tend to get in the way of. Shepherds are still a nomadic group. They are, they are kind of moving their flocks from here to there and kind of shifting around. Sheep are hard on the land. They, they eat the grass down to the surface. Um, you, can, you can tell where, sh- where sheep have been. People who owned land didn't want sheep to be on their land. And so the shepherds were kind of despised. We, we learn from the, the passage that they were living out in their, in their field. We learned that they were um, uh, staying out there overnight between the season, between the months of about April and November. Shepherds would live in the field with their sheep all the time because the, the weather allowed them to do so. And so they just lived a different type of life. And guess what? When you're with sheep the entire time and maybe one or two other human beings, you probably become a little bit socially awkward. You probably become a little bit... Uh, Smelly and gross because you're not bathing on a regular basis. You're also not able to go to the temple like you should. And so the shepherds, um, guess what? If you were if you were robbed in the first century, and a shepherd was the only per- person who witnessed this event, you were just out of luck because shepherds, their word wasn't even acceptable in court. These are shepherds. They, they are they are looked down upon. They are the low of society. When you, when you hear the story of Mary, we often talk about the fact that, that she was so young. She was a woman. She was unmet, uh, unwed. We put her in a low, low standard. There's a lower standard than even that, and that's the shepherds. People want, to, want them to stay out in their field. They want them to stay away from them. And that's the audience of the song this morning. And what, what, we, what we probably can determine from, from v- verse 8 is that they are at night, probably laying in front of their sheepfold. They bring all their sheep in at night, they put them in, in a pen that they call a fold, and they lay in front of the, the fold to keep the sheep in and to keep anything else out. And that's how they spend their night. Shepherds should, the idea that shepherds uh, were, were involved in this story, should bring a smile to our face. First off, because if God's... Good news is brought to anybody. I mean, in, 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 that, in that day and age, um, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit too, but when, when good news was shared, it was often shared to the, 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 the highest, wealthiest social class you could possibly get to uh, because you wanted them to be excited for you. God is stepping in and in, in, in a way that only, that only makes sense to God in this moment. He shows up to shepherds. The lowest of the low. And some of us this morning uh, may, or may, may be sitting here, and we don't have a ton of self-confidence. We don't have, uh, things have maybe been going our way. We feel like we're pretty low. And so the Christmas message, the Christmas story, God is breaking into the world, and He's telling us. And that's pretty cool. But it should also weigh on us in, in, in a heavy way. God took priority and told shepherds about his good news. Each and every one of us have people who are shepherds in our life. It might be a coworker, it might be an adult child, it might be um, a neighbor, it might be um, a classmate, it could be anybody. Who in who in your life right now that you know of that you interact with on a regular basis? Just annoys you to no end who frustrates you who when they come in you go the other way the good news is meant for those people and we as as christ's body here on earth we're supposed to go take the good news to them and so the christmas story is a reminder to us that we are an evangelistic people we are meant to take the good news to the shepherds of the world some of us are the shepherds. Some of us are the messengers to those shepherds in our life. The lowest of the low. And this morning, if you're sitting there and I mention that and you can't think of a shepherd in your life, you can't think of somebody who's, who's, uh, who, who either frustrates you or annoys you or you can't think of somebody in your life who's poor or lowly or, or just in need of God's love and hope, I challenge you To be more aware. And I challenge you to have your eyes open. I challenge you to pray that that you would see the world with God's eyes, because God saw the shepherds that night. He was very aware of where they were, and he went to them. So coming back, coming back, we pick up verse 9: An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in uh, cloths and lying in a manger. We now meet the artists. And that's the angels. We're going to get back to, to the shepherds' response here in just a moment. But... The angels, their appearance in the Christmas story is their first, and and, and this is over the course of their three meetings with people, this is their first uh, showing in over 500 years of recorded history in Scripture. God was silent for 400, but the angels have been absent for five. And now all of a sudden, they're here. And they're showing up to people who who, who you wouldn't guess that they would be showing up up to, they're showing up to uh, the elderly priest in the temple. They're showing up to the, the teenage uh, to the teenage girl. They're showing up to the shepherds out in the countryside. When angels show up, they show up uh, they show up in a specific way. There's an appearance. There's fear. There's comfort there's a message and then there's a sign. And if you look at each one of the angel interactions throughout the story of the the Christmas story in Luke, you're going to find this pattern. The angel shows up, the people freak out, the angel comforts them, he gives them a message, and then he backs up what he says with a sign that they can that they can watch or see happen and then believe. The angels play such a large role. In this story, the shepherds, when the angel arrives, are terrified. Um, when uh, when I was a, a freshman in college and I, I had just started my my time at Southern Nazarene University, it's in Bethany, Oklahoma, uh, and uh, you know you're learning little things uh, about the place, the the local things, the things that people. Um, the, the, the locals do on a regular basis, and they like get to like bring you along, your learning culture, all this stuff. Uh, I grew up in, in Iowa, which is very different from Oklahoma. But in, uh, in Bethany, there's a lake. It's called Lake Overholser. And my first week at SNU, I learned that Lake Overholser also has a different name. Lake Holdercloser. <laughs> Apparently, college students in a small town... Um, Bethany is a very small town. Um, When uh, they are out on a date and they want some privacy, this lake is where they go to get it. And so everybody who's then single or uh, just is looking for, uh, I guess, a fun time, it's Bethany, Oklahoma, um, they go and get the largest spotlight they can find, and they drive in the, in the, uh, the main drive around the lake and when they see a parked car you you uh you you're and you're driving around without headlights on because you want to be you, you don't want to be seen right away you all of a sudden then you shine the light right in the window. I did it one time one time as a freshman in college, and whoever it was was freaked out. they jumped you could see uh like like, the door fly open, and then all of a sudden I'm just telling the person that's driving the car, like, you probably want to go, here they come, here they come, here they come. They, they, were, they were freaked out, you could hear a scream. It was just this, like, startling moment. And when the angels show up, they're, they're, they're showing up, and, and, and they've, got this, they've got this aura about them, but it, and, and in this particular moment, First off, they're in the dark. They're in the dead of night. They're in a—I mean, this is not a this is not a residential place in the 20 uh, 21st century here. Uh, this is a, this is a place that uh, the only light that comes into this place at night is by a campfire, and all of a sudden, this angel shows up and is standing in the middle of these shepherds who have no clue it's coming, and. It shows up in God's glory. Now, this is significant. God's glory, this part of this story here, this is significant. We shouldn't miss it. Uh, The last time that somebody came into contact with God's glory in Scripture was Moses. And Moses' face glowed for days because he he saw the edge of God's back. Because God, he asked to see God's full glory. God said, you wouldn't survive it. I just want to, I, I'm going to hide you here in this rock, I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to allow you to see the very back edge of me. And when, and when Moses sees that, he glows. And so much, it, it, he goes down the mountain and it just freaks people out so much that Moses has to wear a veil to cover his face because the people I think he's like radioactive. And he's, he's, he, uh, he, he's just, he's scaring people by this, this essence of, And this is this is what God's glory does to people. And for the longest time, sin would be killed on the spot when God's glory shows up. And for the for the first time since Genesis 1 and 2, God's glory shows up amongst people who are who are who are lowly people who have probably not gone through all the ritual. Uh, purity cleansing uh, traditions of their people and they should have died right there. But for whatever reason, they are allowed to just witness this, this awesome glory of God that this angel is bringing. And this tells us too that this angel, uh, he wasn't waiting off somewhere. He, we're never told who he is. It's a, probably a, a decent guess that this is Gabriel because he's the angel that's appeared in the story the other two times as well. But he's not sitting off waiting somewhere. You're glowing because you were with God. And this angel appears to these shepherds and it's like God said, okay, now's the time, go get him." And the angel shows up and he's, he's glowing from being in God's presence. And these shepherds are terrified. But he comes at them with the message of do not be afraid. Sometimes God shows up in our life, and it terrifies us. And our first response is fear. This wasn't how I pictured it going. This wasn't uh, how I I pictured God's interaction with me going. I was not expecting this news. I wasn't expecting this to happen to me. And our our immediate response is is fear. But we learn from the angels, the artists of this story, this song, that... God is not, not about fear. God is about comfort. God is about calming. God is, God's presence should be something that's, that's glorified in worship, not something that's, that's, that we should be afraid of. When God shows up in our life, when God shows up uh, in the lives of the people that we love and we care about, that's something that we should rejoice. That's something that, that we, shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't hold back. We shouldn't say, oh, you know, God, God really wants me to do this, but I don't know if I can we should hear God. We should see God. We should understand that God is doing something, and we should rejoice and celebrate. And the angels teach us that. The other thing uh, that the angel this this part of the story teaches us is that the gospel breaks through the mundane. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, uh, like I like we've said, being a shepherd, there's nothing special about being a shepherd, you know. Um, you think about some of, the, some of the most, I don't know, boring things you can, you can think of, and, and, and boring is different for everybody, I know, I get it. Um, but let me say, there's, there's bird watchers, right, Jordan Braun? There's bird watchers, there's not sheep watchers, right? There's no, there's no club for people that just want to get around and go watch sheep out in the field. <laughs> it's boring, it's mundane, they did the same thing every day. And God interrupts the mundane with the gospel, the good news. That's for everybody. And he shows up and he breaks up the monotony. And these, these shepherds are never the same again. They find joy in what they do. They celebrate the God who appeared to them. And today, there's some of us that are walking around that know the good news. They're living a in a season of monotony. We are just bored. We're tired. We go, just go through day after day after day. And we're walking around with no real joy or, or happiness. There, we should be the most, we, especially at Christmas time, but all year round, we should be a people of joy. And there's some people who walk around and it man, it looks like it just rained on their wedding day. You know? And they, they don't live like they're people of hope. They don't live like God has transformed them into a new creation. They don't. And this morning, if you found yourself saying, man, this, this is just another week, just another day. This is just a, you know, another Christmas season, long hours at, at, at work. Coming home to you know crazy, crazy family life and and going to this Christmas party and that Christmas party. If that's you and, that, and you're here this morning, and you're thinking, man, my days have all started to look the same. When God breaks into your story and the gospel's evident in your life, there is no way that things can just stay mundane. One of my favorite uh, favorite passages in, in in scripture is found in Isaiah forty three nineteen. And God is speaking through the prophet, and he's saying, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is always up to something. And if we are close to God and we're plugged into God, there is no way that life can just be boring. We are constantly aware of what God's doing in our life, in the lives of people around us, and in the life of our church, and the life of our community and we are constantly being aware of, of the situations of others and caring and loving for others, there's no way that our life can just be mundane. The gospel breaks through the mundane life. And that's something else that we learn from the angels. Continuing on uh, with, our, with our story, we get to the song. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. This song, again, I told you it was short, but it tells us so much. First off, this is the the first time that every other time heaven is is talked about or people get a glimpse of heaven, it's through dreams and visions. And for the first time, human eyeballs standing on soil get to look up and get to see heaven as it is. Heavenly hosts singing glory to God in the highest. And that's significant for the first time. And of all people, it's shepherds that get to witness this. Not chief priests, not somebody that's important to the temple, not even Mary and Joseph who are, who are, who are in a manger with the Savior of the world see this. The angels see, or the, the shepherds see this. And this reveals to us, the, the heart of the angels. See, the angels were in this with God uh, from the moment they were created. They were, they were there in Genesis. They were there when the fall happened. They were there when they had to guard the entrance to the garden. They were there as, as God made his covenant with Abraham. They were there as God sent Samuel to ordain a king. They were there when the people fell and sin endured time and time and time again. They were there for the exile. They were there to watch, watch God, who loved this, this, this creation of His so much, He wasn't just willing to to wipe them out and start over. He wasn't willing just to to toss in the towel and say, well, they're lost. Move on to something else. They watched God's heart break time and time and time again. And they were there for the silence. They were there when prophecies were given. And then they're there when the, the object of their worship comes down to the people that he loves so much. And they're there, they get to make the announcement. And they get to make the announcement to the people who's, who, who, who God's heart beats for the most. And that's the low of the low. That is the outcast, the marginalized of society. And they get to go and they get to make this announcement. And I have to imagine that this is the largest worship Uh, worship service heaven has ever seen because God broke into the world and they get to be the messengers of it the good news is there it's finally happened they've been aware that this is God's plan they've been they've been worshiping him and hearing about this I have to believe in heaven time after time after time after time after time and then it finally hits have you ever had this had, had anticipation for an event Anything. And I mean, we're we're talking about Christmas time. I remember the Christmas that my family got a Super Nintendo. And we knew it was coming the night before. And when none of us could sleep, waiting for it to to, to get up and to be able to go and play Super Mario Brothers. We were pretty jazzed about that as six-year-olds, right? Times that by 10 million. That's what you get With the worship of the angels. Something they had been waiting for for so long had finally happened. And their response to it is worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. Peace is an important part of this song. But peace here doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. That's what we kind of think about with the word peace, right? Um, especially in our, in, our modern, in our modern world, our modern age right now. If, if two countries are at peace, that basically just means they're not fighting each other, right? Maybe we're, we're helping with aid and certain things, but mo- for the most part, peace is just absence of conflict. Now, peace here does mean an essence of absence of conflict, but it means so much more than that. The word for peace used here also entails with it wholeness. And the angels are announcing that wholeness for the first time since Genesis chapter 2 has come back to the world. People now can live like they were designed and created to live like. They can be in a relationship with God, one that's not tied to a a temple sacrifice system, one that's not tied to a certain set of behaviors and things. They can live in a relationship with God. And he He can... He can make things right in their soul. People have been searching and searching and continue to search, right? Because Jesus Jesus tells us that the only way to the Father is through the Son, and that is a narrow way. But the way exists now. It wasn't there before. The shepherds watching their flocks at night out in the field, they were watching the sheep, that would most likely get taken to the temple to be sacrificed. That's a, to them hearing this, that has got to be, that has just got to be a, a mind blowing idea and statement. No longer, no longer do they have to sacrifice to cover up their sin, not forgive it, not find complete. Uh, fulfillment. Now Jesus is here with them. And a way has been provided that has not been there since the beginning. And the angels are here announcing this. They know it full well. They know what they're announcing. They know the significance of it. And the shepherds are the ones they get to turn around and and respond to this good news. Peace means if I can get to it. Peace means more than the absence of conflict. It's being made whole. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Um, I've got two. One silly illustration, one, one uh, a little bit more serious one to kind of convey this to you. Um, my son, who's two, loves Frozen. He loves, he loves uh, Anna and Elsa. He loves Kristoff and Sven. He really loves Olaf. And if you are unfamiliar with the movie Frozen, um, m- my son will watch it with you and explain it to you. Um, but there's this scene in the first Frozen movie with Olaf, and Olaf is constantly getting like taken apart. All, like he'll fall down a cliff, he'll walk into an icicle and get impaled. Uh, people just pick up his head and throw it around and like do weird things. That's just kind of his character. Um, but there's this scene where uh, this this big snow creature throws him, and he kind of gets separated, and he is he's left to put himself back together. And this is what he gets. He runs out of the woods and this is what he gets. And, and he makes this statement and it's real quick and it just kind of moves on. He comes out of the woods and at this time he leans over and he says, man, I am out of shape. <laughs> and, and, you know, just kind of watching the movie, if you're not really closely paying attention, um, you, you know, he's kind of huffing and puffing. It makes you, yeah, think of like, you know, just working out kind of shape. No, he's completely out of shape, out of sorts. He cannot, he cannot function the way that he was designed to. You and I are in that state. We cannot function the way that we were designed to. But God broke into the world and brought peace and his, and his peace to us, and he's making us whole, he's making us right, he's putting us back together the way that we were meant to be. John 10.10 10 tells us this, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. <laughs> Jesus came so that you can be made whole. Amen. The best thing for you is to have a relationship with Jesus. We can search, we can read all the books we can, we can think of, we can, we can try to find our, our niche here and there. But without Jesus, we're out of shape. And the song of the angels brings an overwhelming sense of peace to us because no longer, the the, the part that's the absence of conflict, no longer is the sin in our life allowed to be the thing that separates us from God. That conflict that sin and God have in our life. Is done away with in the person of Jesus. One of my favorite one of my favorite movies at Christmas time is It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, the we're going to watch a scene from it here in just a second. But the, in this scene, it's the very end of the movie, and if if you're familiar with the movie, you kind of know what's going on. If you're not familiar with the movie, I'm going to give you just a brief intro into this part. George Bailey is the character in the, that the movie is centered around. Uh, he has these big dreams of going off after col- or to college and after college to go travel the world. And all of that gets shot down when his dad suddenly passes away and he has to take over the family business. And he's left in Bedford Falls and he's left working with Uncle Billy at the Bailey Savings and Loan. And he, uh, he begins to think that his life isn't worth much. And then, on top of feeling that way, Money from the savings and loan is misplaced and it doesn't make its bank deposit. And the, the character, Mr. Potter, who's, who's kind of the arch enemy of George Bailey, is the one that ends up with the money and he knows what it's for and he knows where it's not. And so he calls the authorities and George Bailey is informed that it's just moments before the police break in and he's sent off to jail. And man, what, to George Bailey's mind, Life can't get any worse than that. His life is a failure, and he's ready to end it. And thankfully, an angel arrives at the right moment to, to show George Bailey what life would really be like if he wasn't there. If, if, his, if his influence and his presence in the lives of everybody in that community and even his own family, if George wasn't there, everything would have fallen apart. And in the end, the way that um, the way that George Bailey is made complete is something um, that we can celebrate this morning. So I want us to watch this, and then we'll close. In that in that scene, we're George Bailey. And God is the people of Bedford Falls who show up to pay our debt. George is made whole that night, not because the cash that was dropped on the table, but he's made whole because he realizes his purpose. And that was to, to, to be a, a, a person who touched the lives of all those people in that town. This morning, Christmas delivers the good news that Jesus came to make us whole again. And this is how they responded. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that he had been to- uh, what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed, and the shepherds said, uh, and the sh- were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds didn't uh, didn't go and, and uh, get new jobs. The shepherds didn't run to the edge of town and set up a, a, a gift shop where they you know, wrote books and sold shirts and did all those things because they'd seen the miraculous. They went back to their life. But they went back filled with joy. Not happiness that fades, but joy. And this morning, the fact that we can be made whole is a joyous occasion. And I find, uh, I find uh, no coincidence that the song that they sing at the end of that, as, as George is be, being made whole in, in, in that moment, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to sing this as we close. Good news has come this Christmas season. Good news has been shared, and we can stand this morning and sing the songs of the angels, which is glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. That's you and that's me. We get to celebrate this morning because God has made us whole. So this morning, this is often kind of considered a a Christmas carol, But this morning, it's going to be a song of our worship as we close. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Let's sing this this morning, and let's leave this place with a sense of joy, because we have been made whole.